Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a realm where business insights meet the personal touch. I'm your host, Malika, and you've just tuned into the exciting world of SuitUp. Hi, everyone. Um, Today, I'm going to be starting my new episode series about how to approach vacation scheme and training contract applications in the cycle. And the first episode in the series is about choosing um, and researching the firms that you want to apply to. So I have here with me um, Shrasm, with who we'll be talking about advice for choosing and researching your firms. Hi, Shrasm. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, so let's just talk a bit about yourself first. So where, are you a law student? Where do you study? Um, and what do you do? So I am a law student heading to my final year now. Um, I go to the University of Warwick, but originally from Manchester, so I moved out. I think it's been quite fun so far. Um, in terms of what I do, um, yeah, I've been into commercial law since first year, really. And in terms of hobbies, um, I love football, I like poetry, and yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for introducing yourself. Um, so let's start with talking about how to approach the application process for vacation schemes and training contracts um and we'll start from the very beginning so choosing the firms that you want to go to um how would you say what would be your advice on how to choose the law firms and the amount of law firms that you should apply to sure so i think you know there's a lot of different facets to the question so Firstly, you have to ask yourself, is commercial law at a big firm really for you? And, you know, to do this, obviously, speak to people, go online, research. And then maybe once you know that for sure, yes, I do want to work at a large commercial law firm. I think a good starting point that I started at was, you know, some might not agree with this, but I think Legal Cheek is a good place to start. So I think, you know, going on there, being able to research the different types of firms, getting a really short but sort of impactful overview of each firm is quite helpful. So I think going to Legal Cheek and then making a list of the firms that stand out to you and then maybe going on to their graduate recruitment websites and attempting to interact with them in some way. So whether that be an open day, a virtual event, a webinar, I think any interaction is valuable. And I think those interactions are what allows you to almost get that domino effect um, to get those VAC scheme and training contract applications rolling in the future. So I think starting early is really important. And um, I think an interaction with the firm is key before applying as well. In terms of numbers, I think obviously it depends again what year you're in and what you're going for. So I think if you're going for the spring week, spring schemes in first year, apply to as many as you can without sacrificing grades. But in second year or third year, or even if you're a graduate and you're applying to back schemes, be really, really tailored and concise. And based on your interactions, only go for, I'd say, you know, anywhere between six to 10 firms at most. I think if you're going beyond that, you are sacrificing quality. So, yeah, it's a personal thing, but I think that's a good starting point that I'd used anyway. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you, it's very beneficial to have interactions with the firm before you actually um, choose to apply there Uh, so how would you make the most out of those interactions so I know that you can go to these open days and listen to things and then come out but kind of think that it was a bit general so what do you do in order to learn as much as you can um, about the firm and about commercial law yeah, sure. So I think um, most of these events, whether in person or virtual, will have a sort of networking element towards the end of them. I think make the most of that. Um, speak to people, ask them personal questions because you can bring this up on applications later on. Um, and if you're, you know, maybe a bit reserved as I was, you don't even have to ask questions. You can just wait till someone else asks an interesting question and pick up on what they said. So 
yeah, just be attentive. Make sure you have a notebook with you at all times. Make notes because it will be really, really valuable when you're applying to them again. Um, which I think leads me on quite nicely to the next point, which is, you know, now that you've done your interactions, what do you put on your back scheme forms? And I think it's a mixture of culture, practice specialism and the training. So I think the point we just mentioned feeds into the culture aspect. So if you spoke to really nice people and they spoke about how much they like the firm and the supportiveness and things like that of it, then I think that's something you could put on your application again. Mm-hmm. Um, just to touch upon what you mentioned, like these specific factors, um, what are like the main unique selling points of law firms that people usually pay attention to and that you should pay attention to as well in order to, um, you know, that, you know, for sure that it suits you and your needs? For sure, yeah. Um, I think there's three umbrella terms I'll use and then we can delve into them. But I think the first mm-hmm. one is is a training because you are applying for a training contract. Um, so, you know, training will encompass the different practices you get exposure to, um, the, the rotation system. So some firms might do four seats, six seats, eight seats, even a non-rotational structure where you can just pop into different practices at different times, see what suits you. Um, the number of trainees as well, you know, some US firms will take maybe four to six trainees and some magic circles will take north of 100. So um, really deciding what works for you and then putting that on the form because there's USPs to both sides, right? Um, the next thing would be culture, which you've mentioned briefly, so I won't hang on it too long. But, you know, the people, the, you know, the supportiveness of the environment, that type of thing. And the last thing, which I think is really important, is the practice area specialism. So have they got high band rankings in, you know, Chambers, Legal 500, these sorts of websites, I think. It can really help substantiate your point if you can um, say, right, I'm really interested in corporate work. And X firm has been ranked band one for six years in X ranking. I think that really, really helps. So I think Chambers and Legal 500 are really helpful for that sort of research. And I think. It's the amalgamation of these three points that if you can get all three of them together on an application really makes you stand out. So after determining what you seek in a firm and, um, you know, choosing them based on these factors, you kind of have to go into deeper research um, once you've already like gathered your list. Um, so how would you approach getting good research and where would you look at first? Sure. So I think. Um... Once you've done these, I think the research element, you've done quite a bit in terms of, you know, going to chambers, going to Legal 500, speaking to people at the firm. Um, and I think that pretty much is the crux of your research. That's what you're meant to be doing. The best thing, obviously, is if you can get some sort of work experience at the firm. And I know this isn't accessible to everyone, but there's things out there like, you know, rare recruitment, SEO London, Upreach, where, you know, even if you're from a socially mobile background, you can get work experience at these firms. And I think that's the best form of research is to actually go there work there for a day, two days, even a week, and then use that to substantiate your form. So I think, you know, if you've done this much on the application form, your research is quite strong. And now the only thing you can do to strengthen that is get some work experience done. Mm-hmm. What pieces would you look at when you do your research? So would you look at the revenue, um, the amount of lawyers that they have, you know, the geographical factors? Um, should you research all of that or should you go deeper into deals that they do what what would you say yeah so again there's no right or wrong answer to this and i can only answer from my you know own experience and i think that i didn't tend to talk too much about um deals only because i know that you know if it was to get brought up from the partner in the interview i'd have to have a very very strong understanding of it and so um you know if i mentioned a deal that i didn't have a strong understanding of you could get caught out on that and so i think unless you're very very you know, sound technically with deals, just avoid mentioning it and focus on other aspects which are equally just as good. Um, you know, granted, if you're really, really good at your technicals and you want to speak about deals, you can, but personally, I didn't go down that avenue. 
Um, in terms of revenue, I'd probably stray away from talking about that as well because it doesn't really tell you much about a law firm. So a law firm can have a massive revenue and not very much profitability. And, you know, vice versa, they can have a small revenue, but very high in terms of profitability. So I think, again, this type of stuff, they probably wouldn't care too much about on a training contract application because, you know, we're applying to be trainees. We're not going to come in and change the profitability and it's not going to impact us really too much until maybe 10, 15 years down the line. So, you know, you mentioned people. I think that's really good. Um, if it's a small cohort, so five, six trainees, you could mention how, you know, you like that non-hierarchical structure. You like getting hands-on into work really early. Um, if it's a larger cohort, you could say I really like, you know, a supported environment, collaboration. So I think that's a good point to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you do to narrow it down and personalize your application after having gathered all of that research um, in order not to sound too generic in your answers and, you know, to really um, show that you've done that research and that it actually matches your skills and your character? Sure. So I think um, one thing that really helped here is just to be honest, like, you know, a lot of us, including myself at the start, we wanted to sound like what a commercial lawyer should sound like, just sound like yourself. And I think, you know, graduate recruitment will read thousands of these applications so they can tell straight away when you're not being honest. Um, having a chronology is really helpful. So, you know, um, saying that I went to an open day event and I spoke to ex associate who told me about the multi specialism. Um, this was reinforced by my work experience doing Y. And then when I researched Z on Legal 500, it showed that you're really strong across this, this, and this, which again reinforces that multi specialism and uh, strength across different practices. I think it's the amalgamation of those three and having that chronology which makes it specific to you. Because anyone can say, yes, I've been to an open day. Yes, I've done a work experience or yes, I've researched you, but very few can say they've done all three. So I think it's about that quantity alongside quality and, you know, combining the three. And you mentioned Chamber Student, Legal 500, um, all of these websites. Do you use specific websites for specific points of research or are they all kind of general? Um, Like when do you use which website? For example, where would you search for? ranking and practice areas where would you search for you know ranking ratings of like work-life balance um stuff like that yeah sure i think um so work-life balance it's a difficult one and you know there's debates about whether anything online is really indicative of true work-life balance at a law firm so the best way to figure that out is just to speak to people that actually work there because i think the the figures they have on legal cheek are flawed to an extent and you know a lot of these articles people put out will be flawed as well um, so I think to speak to people in terms of work-life balance and generally you can tell by practice areas. So if a firm is very, very strong in transactional work, the odds that the work-life balance will be great is probably not too high. Whereas if they're strong with, I don't know, you know, pensions, um, more national deals, I don't know, you know, those sorts of things, it might be more of a work-life balance. So you can, those are sort of key factors in terms of that. Um, in terms of when I'd use each website, I think Chambers and Legal 500 serve the same purpose. So it's for rankings of different firms practice areas. So you can go on there and I'll give you like band one to six, I think, for each major area of um, you know, British law in London specifically, but you can have national rankings as well. Um, so I just use them, you know, depending on where I'm applying. So if you're applying to, I don't know, Mishkon Derea, they might be higher ranked in a legal 500 ranking than on the Chambers one. So I might personally use the legal 500 one to, you know, um, appeal to them more if that makes sense. And then equally, I think Chambers has a little section called True Picture or Inside View. Not sure what it is, but it's like a little sort of expansion of what you see on Legal Cheek. So, an explanation of the training contract, what they specialize in. So, I think that's again a really good snapshot to have alongside Legal Cheek is that little Chambers page. I think it's called True Picture or Inside View, I can't remember. Hmm. 
Um, what about the firm's uh, values or what they look for in their trainees, in their um, in the people that they hire? Where would you find information like that? Yeah, I think first the best thing is the graduate recruitment websites. I think for most of the firms I applied to, there was a there's a section on the website. So if you just search xfirmname.co.uk.com, whatever it is, um, or like the graduate website, whatever it is, um, it should say like the key traits we look for in each trainee slash lawyer. And yeah, mm. you can just and you can just go off that. I think you know, common ones are like resilience, collaboration. Those are the ones across the board. But I think on the US side, you might see more of like entrepreneurialism, um, initiative. You know, um, obviously it differs from firm to firm, but there's common traits. Would you put those words on your application if you see them um, on the website, just to show that you you saw that? Yeah, if there's a question about um, what skills do you have or what extracurriculars have you done, 100% get that in there because it shows that you know what they're looking for and you you are reflective of that. Um, but you know, if for example. Um, it didn't ask you to do so, or if it was just like send us a cover letter. If there's no need to, I think just focus on the firm rather than too much as like you can do a paragraph on why you, but focus more on the firm in that case. But if there's a question asking you what skills you have, then 100% get that in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you have any example, like successful examples of good firm research, just so that we can apply all of that advice and kind of see how it actually looks like in real life? Yeah, sure. So I'll read a little extract if that's okay. Mm -hmm. That'd be a mouthful. So. And then maybe we could, um, like after you read it, we could analyze what parts were good and why they were good. Sure, for sure. So um, this was a successful part of my cover letter that I sent off to Slaughter in May. I've anonymized a few details, obviously, because I don't know if I'm allowed to go and mention people, but um, it generally goes like this. So during my time on the Slaughter May Spring Work Experience Scheme, I was supervised by X, an associate in the corporate practice area. I undertook tasks such as drafting research reports on what a JOA typically governs in an oil and gas project, the due diligence requirements for such a deal, and a SWOT analysis of an initial public offering. These tasks gave me an appreciation for the firm's multi-specialist approach. On any one transaction, there's a collaboration between corporate and specialist teams at the firm, and as a result, Slaughter May can provide clients with a complete service. I think that this collaborative multi-specialism is what allows the firm to retain the most FTSE 100 clients whilst also maintaining its Band 1 ranking for the corporate MNA in 2022 Legal 500 and Chambers UK rankings, which would allow me to work on the most cutting-edge and market-leading transactions. Furthermore, when speaking with partner Y, I was introduced to the firm's no-billable-hours policy. I believe this is what allows multi-specialism to truly flourish as there are no evidence of divisions of teams within the different practice area groups due to everyone's multi-specialist skill set and willingness to collaborate rather than compete. I witnessed this firm-wide ethos of sharing expertise in practice by seeing how easily X, my supervisor, was able to access knowledge through the open-door policy. Great. So you said that was um, a successful um, application. So did you secure a vacation scheme from? So I got to the assessment stage. By that point, I've already had um, three vacation scheme offers. So, you know, there's only a set amount you can do based on your summer and winter cycle. So. I didn't end up going forward with it, but um, you know, it's a, it was a really good experience and I had a really good time with them in my first year. I think I just, because at that point I already had a training contract from Hogan Lovells, I really wanted to experience, you know, the sort of US market and the US vacation schemes. And so I took my summer to just spend time at US firms really, rather than any more British firms. Mm -hmm. 
So what parts of the application do you think actually made you stand out as a candidate? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, if we just rewind to what was said, obviously it was a bit of a mouthful, but I think, um, you know, those three umbrellas where I mentioned my experience, the person I was speaking to, and obviously I'd named them, I couldn't name them while speaking, but X and Y, I've dropped mm -hmm. that name in there to show personal research as well. And then combining that with not only the work, but also the rankings they've got. So, you know, band one in corporate M&A across Legal 500 and Chambers UK. And at the same time, they've got the most FTSE 100 clients. I think it's that combination that maybe helped me stand out. Mm -hmm. Again, there's again there's no magic formula to this, and it's, it, it differs for every person. And there's been people who I'm sure have been su successful applicants to start me with no interaction with the firm, just pure research. But you know, I think that that combination of the three um, experience, practice areas, and you know the good training and the environment you get there is what helped me stand out. Okay, and do you think three is a good number for the like the amount of factors that you're mentioning? Because I think some you know, sometimes you might be researching a firm and there's just like many things that you love and you want to squeeze it all in and answer, but you're also kind of sacrificing, you know, that kind of depth. So how many points would you like recommend um, putting on your application? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, it's one thing that I thought about as well when I was applying a lot. Um, for me, I think three is the upper limit. Two, if you're really, really going in depth, because I think they definitely value breadth and depth over like, you know, just sheer quantity of USPs. Um, so I think, yeah, just max it out at three. You haven't got too much, you know, word count. Um, if you go into depth, I think two or three is perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, and this is more like a question kind of going back into, you know, uh, doing your initial research and talking to people, going to these events. Uh, what if you apply, want to apply to a firm, but you haven't had any, you maybe you haven't attended their events or you haven't um actually spoken to people from there what would you recommend to do in that case um so i think in that scenario if you absolutely can't speak to someone and i think it is possible because it's so accessible nowadays you know legal cheek have like a online fair or it's called the virtual vacation scheme where you can speak to like references from 30 different law firms um so it's really accessible if you take the time to just go online and search it you should be able to but if you absolutely can't uh, for some reason, I think, you, you know, you can equally show your interest through just purely researching it or, you know, talking about the USPs, not from a personal perspective. I think mm -hmm. it definitely strengthens your application if you can, but if you can't, I don't think it puts you at a disadvantage equally. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, thank you. I think we kind of covered uh, most advice about um, firm applications and research. Do you have anything else that you would like to add in or discuss? In terms of the firm application and research or just... Yeah, in terms uh, of like research and choosing. Yeah, sure. So I think one thing that, that like just be wary of is not to use the scattergun approach. So I know a lot of people because, um, you know, I speak to, we were speaking to people on our platform, the George Guidance platform recently, and a lot of people have this common trait of, oh, I'll just apply to where I've been to in the past. And whilst it makes sense, I don't think it really shows that you've thought deeply about what you want to work in, where you want to work at, because, you know, we've had people say, OK, I've attended an open day at a national firm and a US firm, and I'm going to apply to both just because I have that interaction. I think it makes more sense if you use your interactions to help you narrow down what it is you want. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that will make you stand out even more as a candidate. So if you go to a national firm interview or a US firm interview and you say, I've been to these two different types of firms, but I like this about your firm more than the other, and this is why I'm here. 
I think that helps you a lot more than just applying everywhere you've been to. So I think avoid this kind of approach. Be very, very selective way in, in where you apply because, you know, sometimes firms can surprise you <laughs> in a good way or a bad way. So it's good to know beforehand where you want to work. Um, and yeah, just spend a couple of months having a deep sort of reflection period of what you really want from a career and from life because, you know, a career at a massive law firm and, you know, the long hours isn't for everyone. So really, really reflect on what you want and what would make you happy as well as feeling accomplished. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, with firm research, um, I think it's kind of hard to balance, you know, academics and also your extracurriculars, you know, attending all these events um, and applying as well. Uh, and I know it's better to start your research very early, you know, like in your first year over the summer. But then when it's actually application season, uh, how do you balance writing applications and researching firms, like, would you dedicate a certain amount of hours a week just for research? Because um, I heard, like, I heard advice from someone, I don't remember who it was, but uh, they said to treat, like, firm research um, and applications as, like, a separate module so that you put enough hours into that because you have to be very thorough. So, yeah. like, what, how did you approach it? Yeah, honestly, it was, like, the first few weeks were a mess. Like, it's just... <laughs> trying to stay on top of all the different um, applications whilst trying to juggle university, I was like, yeah, this is impossible. But I think everyone will struggle with the first few weeks um, trying to balance everything. You might miss a few seminars, lectures and stuff, but then you'll get the hang of it. You'll realize, okay, I don't need to be spending this much time drafting. I can spend, you know, you'll definitely have to pull some, you know, night shifts in the library and whatnot. But, um, you know, in terms of hours, I wouldn't, I've never been a person to be like, okay, six hours of research this week, six hours of drafting next week. I just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. Um, might not work for, you know, for everyone, but, you know, just, I think it's good to have a day at a time approach. So the night before, put your to-do list for the next day and make sure that before you go to bed the next day, you get everything on your to-do list done with. Um, that helped me a lot because I think planning too far in advance can be stressful for some people. So, you know, I think a day at a time, take it a step at a time and yeah, I think if you have a really narrow set of firms, it'll make your life easier as well. The people that apply everywhere and anywhere, they struggle the most. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, equally, their applications suffer in terms of quality, so they won't get very far. So I think, yeah, just have a narrow list of firms, um, take a day at a time and be willing to put some night shifts in and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> what about, like, spreading out your kind of timeline? Do you, uh, do you like, write one and then complete it? move on to the other do you do them at the same time do you consider like if it's reviewed on a rolling or non-rolling basis uh would you have any advice on that yeah so mm, this i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but <laughs> you for me anyway i went for like the firms that i didn't want as much earlier on because i thought you know what this would be a good way to experiment see what works and what doesn't work so i sent in a few applications really really early and just to see if they worked and Thankfully, they did work, so I adopted that structure for future applications as well. Um, and I also think, you know, spreading them out is a good idea. So once you finish one, it's done. Like, don't think about it too much. Don't refresh your email saying when, when they're going to get back to you. Just send it and move on to the next. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of, like, when, obviously, this depends on your requirements if you're an international student and whatnot, but I think spreading out your vaccines can be quite helpful as well. So I did one in winter. And then I wanted to do a spring, but it clashed during like Ramadan, which is like a Muslim religious like period. So I couldn't do a spring, but I did them in summer and winter, which I think was really, really helpful because you can use your first ones as um, 
you know, experience to really help you hone your traits and characteristics and skills for the next one. And so I think spreading them out can be helpful as well. Obviously, granted, you have the visa requirements and everything. Um, so I think apply to a mixture of winters, springs and summers if you can. And also just when an application is gone, it's gone. Don't stress about it. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of sad that, you know, as an international student, we can't really apply to winter or spring mm. Yeah, I really wanted to apply to the spring schemes, but then it sort of clashes with my calendar. Mm. Um, yeah, just wish they kind of moved them like by one week. <laughs> yeah, they need to do something about that because yeah. it's a bit, it's pretty much not fair, is it? Kind of, kind of isn't, yeah. Because then mm. you also have like a bigger pool of people for the summer vacations because like exactly. all the students are there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you guys are lucky. <laughs> what about like, rolling and non-rolling applications because i also was thinking of like re- applying to like i guess practice <laughs> firms um at first not as in practice i still want to go there but then like putting the ones that are like my priorities a bit later mm-hmm. uh but then some of them review on a rolling basis so it's you kind of also want to be there early mm-hmm. so it's a balance right so like you mentioned um let's say you have eight firms and like three of them are like your quote-unquote dream firms which is an interesting phrase in itself but let's say you have like those three dream firms um and the other five you still really really like i think just you know put the the first application that goes in so i think the first one i sent in was slaughter and may which i really really liked anyway so i think you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter like if, like if someone's rolling like slaughter and may is just send it off as soon as possible because obviously granted the quality is good because i think i remember when i was applying to slaughter and may when i applied a friend already had an interview book with them. And so that kind of stressed me out. And I was like, right, I need to start sending stuff off. Um, so if it's rolling, as soon as it's good enough, you know, get it reviewed by a person or two and then send it off as soon as possible. If it's not rolling, I think literally leave it till the last day because then that gives you more time in your timetable. Um, I know people that say it's really good to, you know, send it off early, even if it's non rolling. I think like it's not rolling, it's not rolling. I've sent non rolling stuff off like two hours before the deadline and it's been fine. Mm-hmm. So, hold on to the non-rolling ones and send off the rolling ones as soon as possible and that'll help you sort of manage your timetable mm-hmm. and what about like you how many firms did you apply to and how many did you get like positive answers from yeah so off the top of my head i think i applied to nine firms i had interviews with i think six of them and then um i did vacation schemes with three obviously vacation schemes clash which is quite annoying but i think they do that on purpose because they don't want you to like do too many and also for your own mental health because three was three was a lot <laughs> anyway um so yeah um that was my sort of breakdown and I, I was really happy with you know and i think the fact that i had a decent conversion rate was because i only applied to a few and mm-hmm. i really really wanted each and every firm that i applied to like i really liked them all mm-hmm. um and yeah i think again i said i have a really narrow list but i applied to like a mixture of both british and american firms because i wasn't really sure what i wanted and then I think it was after my vaccines where I got offers from um, a US firm and a British firm that I decided actually the British training system is probably better for a person like me. I don't really want to be um, not thrown into the deep end, but, you know, have that much responsibility that early. And rather I'd want to, you know, learn in a structured environment, have mm-hmm. access to mentors and whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's really good to get a mixture of things so you know exactly what you want, because, you know, let's say you apply to all US firms, that's all you know. You don't really like you have nothing to compare it to. Right. So um yeah like a mixture of firms is good and yeah like a small number is good as well. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that you took your vacation scheme experience, you know, after you've already applied and secured a place, and you also learned from that 
to kind of further um, your knowledge of the firm and then kind of <clears throat> use that to decide what's right for you. Because it also just shows that, you know, you don't stop your kind of research and like learning about a firm at the application stage. You just kind of have to continue to do it to understand um, if it's good for you. What about, um, like we already talked about, so like balancing your academics and writing applications. Um, I think some people might underestimate the actual importance of academics. So what would you say about that? Yeah, so I think, you know, grades are really, really important. Um, almost every firm will care to an extent what grades you have, whether that be, you know, a two one, a high two one, or even a first. I've had firms that are like, you know, how come you just narrowly missed out on a first, which is, it sounds like a crazy question, but they do this thing as sort of like a stress test and just to gauge where you're at. So I think grades are really, really important. Um, equally, you know, I've had friends who like not even had two ones and got training contracts. So if you can um, maximize your grades, it'll help you a lot and it'll put any, you know, doubts to bed because, you know, um, if you had like a 64 and you didn't get an interview with some place, you'd be like, what if I had a 68? So just mm -hmm. maximize them. Um, and I think extracurriculars help a lot because I don't think there's ever been an interview in which I haven't brought up my extracurriculars at university. So get involved with sports or society or a volunteering role or even a job, anything. So just don't be purely a university student. Get involved with as many things as possible that you actually enjoy and can speak about. Because I think that really helps you stand out as well. Yeah, I also think with um, your grades, you should also take them into account where you when you choose the firms that you um, that you're going to apply to. I think most of them require two one, right? Yeah. I don't think there's any of them that require like a first. <laughs> no. Nah. Well nowhere says explicitly that they require a first. I think everyone says two one, but some firms like, you know, your Slaughter and May, maybe your Davis Polk, um, a few others, they'll they'll want high academics now. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's a first, but that means that, you know, you'll have some evidence of a first or you know, you'll be on a, on track for a strong two one. Um mm -hmm. I think it'd be it'd be very difficult in all honesty to secure a training contract with like one of those with maybe like a sixty or a sixty one. It yeah. happens. It does happen, but <laughs> it'll make life a lot harder for you. Yeah. It is a bit like scary though, that you have mm. to <laughs> that if you kind of don't get the grades it's like kind of limits your choices. Mm. But equally that is only two firms. I think everywhere else, as long as you've got a two one, they care more about you as a as like an overall, which is good to know. Like, um, I don't think Hogan Levels is too strict on grades. If you've got a two one, they start asking more about you and stuff. So, yeah. 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 Do you know if there's any firms that like can take candidates with like a two two or? Yeah, um, I've heard. Now you have to research this more, but I think at the moment there are a few that have got rid of grade requirements. So I think CMS, um, DLA Piper, and then a couple others that just they don't have a grade requirement. You know strictly um again with me just the way i think if i was applying with like you know like a 59 or a 50 i'd be like oh but there's so many candidates with first that are applying so it would stress me out and just you know to put it at ease um try and get the max grade you can but they don't if they, if they don't have great requirements for it's actually for like a good reason and it's because yeah. they value other characteristics in a candidate and they know that you're more than your grades which is true um so yeah if you've you know if you've not got the two one that you need there's a, still a lot of options for you and you know i don't think that's the end of your journey at all Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for the for all the useful advice. Um, and so now I just wanted to talk a bit about Juris Guidance. So, um, you know, the support platform that you co-founded with your friends, uh, if I'm correct. Um, 
so yeah, why did you decide to start it? And when did you guys launch? So um, with Joris Guidance, and you know, I'll keep the promo short, don't want to take up too much time. But <laughs> we started it just, you know, um, four friends, all of us, I think we met on some sort of law scheme, um, except myself and Reese, because we got to the same university, but the rest of us, we all met on like law schemes and things like that. And um, we're all from, you know, diverse backgrounds, socially mobile backgrounds, you know, none of us had connections in the legal industry, anything like that. Um, it was all new to us. And, you know, we met at a stage where, you know, quite frankly, we were all quite like, we really wanted a training contract, we were quite desperate for it. And the resources out there, whilst really helpful, I think there was something missing. And so we've all been lucky enough and fortunate enough to secure training contracts. And so we decided that, you know, let's set up something to give back. Um, our aim is really to help candidates like ourselves who are in similar positions where, you know, they've got a lot of great platforms out there, which I shouted out earlier on that you should definitely use, but also use Jurisguidance yeah. um, because we have a lot of resources out there for free. We launched our, um, our first time doing the Navigate scheme, which is really difficult because at the moment, the only four mentors on it are us. And we wanted to keep it just us, and you know, really tailored group of individuals. Um, but we really weren't expecting the amount of people that we got. And I think if we were to take anything on from this, it'd be that next year, let's really expand the program. Because, you know, in terms of capacity, we had like over 160 applicants and there's only four mentors. So we really, really weren't able to take many people. And there was like some candidates there that, you know, um, they're bound to get training contracts, but we just couldn't take on. So um, it, de it definitely will expand next year. So if you're hearing this, you know, um, apply to it next year and hopefully you will get on. Um, but our main aim is, yeah, just to help people break into a career in commercial law, demystify things, you know, like we spoke about today on a call, just get all of that down on paper, how to research firms, how to apply that sort of thing. Um, and we've got a nice community group chat where, you know, I don't think any other platform has it where you can just go on WhatsApp and ask people for advice. And there's like more than 300 people in there. So someone will respond to you and give you advice. And, you know, it's comforting to have almost that community as well, because I think with getting a training contract, a lot of people make it like a like a fight, almost like a competition. And I think it'd be a lot easier if we all just think of it as a collaboration and, you know, we want everyone to succeed together. So, yeah, that's the image of guidance. Um, hoping to expand soon. You know, it's only our first year. We you know, we will make mistakes and we will learn from them. And so, yeah, we just ask for, you know, your engagement and patience with us and hopefully we will take off soon as a platform. That's that's really good news to hear. So I really hope you, um, you know, you continue growing and everything's going to go good. Um, just about like Navigate, that's a mentoring scheme, right? Yeah, so you it's have a, a free mentoring scheme for anyone who's like applying. Yeah, so applications have closed now and we've got our first yeah. cohort. So it'll probably be for next year if you're interested. But um, it's a mentoring slash development scheme. So, you know, we've got the four of us. Hopefully we'll have a few law firms involved as well, running like sessions for us. Um, I'm thinking of maybe hopefully doing webinars based on obviously what the candidates need and want at each time. So right now, um, as we're doing the podcast, probably we'll be researching and applying. Maybe in a month's time, we'll be interviewing. In two months' time, we'll be like how to succeed on the back scheme and exit interviews. So um running webinars on that one-to-one -one sessions with people who've got training contracts with where you want to apply and yeah just um exposure to law firms i think it's a good little program that can help you uh, acquire all three of those umbrella terms that we mentioned earlier so understanding training culture and practice areas just through speaking with people which i think is one of the best things about law like um speaking to someone can give you a lot of inf information whereas i think you know um in other careers it's maybe not as accessible but i think thankfully the legal industry is becoming open to a lot of people Mm -hmm. yeah that's great to hear and it's also great that you know also that you have that background of like having a diverse background and um you just kind of help you know people break into law who are also in the same boat 
um so yeah thank you for just talking about jurist guidance um and anyone who's listening check them out um i'm gonna include their linkedin in the episode description um yeah navigate close but definitely join the group chat there's lots of people there lots of great <laughs> advice actually um yeah i do read it like sometimes and text there um but yeah thank you so much uh Sherazim, for coming um i hope you enjoyed uh speaking oh. on the podcast yeah no thank you so much for your time it was really great speaking to you and i appreciate your engagement as well thank you And that's a wrap for today's episode. Big thanks to our guests for joining us. I'm sure listeners soaked up some awesome insights. Your thoughts and feedback mean the world to us, so if you're eager to contribute, leave a review or drop your suggestions for upcoming episodes. Join the pseudo community on LinkedIn where your insights can shape the future of our discussions. And before you go, remember that our guest-curated list of recommendations will be waiting for you in the episode description and on our LinkedIn page. So until next time, keep those ambitions high, dream higher, and remember... The journey to success is always better when you suit up.